Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I love the book, The Power Broker, the epic biography of former New York City planner Robert Moses. So I'm breaking it down 100 pages at a time and talking to special guests about why this book matters, like Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I actually think if it wasn't for Robert Moses, I probably wouldn't have run for Congress. Listen to 99% Invisible's breakdown of The Power Broker every month on the 99% Invisible podcast feed. Hi, everyone. Uh, It is Dylan, and I have something I want you to own. Have you ever cut cookies and ended up with a little bit of extra dough because the shape doesn't fit together? No more. I want you to own a pair of mathematically efficient cookie cutters, two shapes in Penrose tile shapes that you can use to make an infinite plane of cookies with no wasted dough. How do you get these, you ask? Well, you get them for free along with a pre-order of our new book that's coming out. It is called Gastro Obscura, A Food Adventurer's Guide, and it is co-authored by Cecily Wong and myself, and it takes you on a journey all around the world to the monastery in the UK that, that makes the meat of the gods. It takes you to Africa to try the miracle berry, which changes your taste buds. It takes you really everywhere and shares the most interesting food stories, recipes, ingredients from that place. So if you are someone who's interested in travel, in food, or really someone who likes the show, I think this is a good book for you to check out. You can learn more at books.atlasobscura.com and get those cookie cutters. Okay, that's it. Uh, Thanks for listening and on with the show. We have back on the show the amazing, the incredible Jonathan and Michelle, our places team at Alice Obscura. Hello, Jonathan. Hello, Michelle. Thank you for being here. I was expecting air horns. To, can we add those <laughs> in? <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, there can be air horns. Trust me. I mean, me. the introductions just get better and better with every, every episode <laughs> I'm through. Uh, anyway, for people who don't know what we're talking about, uh, Jonathan and Michelle are the editors of our Places team. They see all the interesting places that people send to us and uh, turn them into fully-fledged Atlas uh, published locations. And so every time I talk to you two, I ask you basically the same question at the start, which is what have you guys seen recently that has caught your interest? My first offering for today is a Buddhist temple in Taiwan that just looks like absolutely bonkers, like nothing I've ever seen before. Um, It is the Fufu Dingshan Shell and Coral Temple. Basically, every surface of this uh, small temple is covered in coral and seashells that's been arranged in these incredible, intricate designs. It is fairly recent. It was built in the 90s. What? (laughs) The 1990s? The 1990s. That is very recent. Wow. I know. It's surprising because I think if you look at pictures of it, it looks like one of those things. It's like, oh, of course, they built this like hundreds of years ago when artisans could dedicate their time to things like these. 
But it was built in like the mid 90s. There are all these scenes on the walls that are illustrated in sort of a mosaic made out of different colored seashells and coral and um, like carved little bits and pieces. Uh, Can can I ask, do you know why? Like, I mean, except that it is awesome. Like, why did they do this? I'm so glad you asked. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, the, the story for why this temple was built is uh, that Ji Gong, uh, who was a 12th century Buddhist monk uh, who lived in China, there's a story that he appeared to someone in a dream and told them to build a temple that looked like a majestic underwater palace. Love an inspired by a dream backstory. Love a kind of whole, like vision uh, through through uh, through dreams is always a good origin story. If you're gonna look up pictures for any any place that I mention on uh, this podcast, this is this is a very good one. Well, let's do let's do the the next uh, set of things here because we're we're getting really close to I would call it Atlas Obscura's. Uh, favorite holiday. It's my favorite holiday. I think it's a lot of people's favorite holiday. We're we're just around the corner from Halloween. Atlas has a long, long history of having weird, spooky, interesting, macabre places in it. Um, let's talk about some Halloweeny, spooky spots. Jonathan, how about you? How, anything in the the kind of Halloween theme uh, that you've seen? So underneath the Tiber Island in Rome, Italy, is a burial crypt of the Sagnoki Rossi Brotherhood, um, which is, that's the short name of the brotherhood. I'm going to give you the full name right here. So <clears throat> the Brotherhood of the Devotees of Jesus at Calvary and Holy Lady Mary of Sorrows and Relief of the Holy Souls in Purgatory. What a name. Yes, it's a fantastic name. It's a um, The shorter name basically came from the hoods that they wore. Um, they wore a lot of red hoods and red capes, and that's kind of where the, the second Rossi name came from. Um, they were mostly a charitable organization. One of their main goals was basically the dignification and burial of abandoned bodies, mostly those that washed up along the shores of the Tiber River and that went unclaimed. So the work was carried out at night, and it was often people could see them with their torchlit processions, like heading down to the river to search for bodies and, and bury them. But the crypt wasn't designed for those burials. The crypt was actually designed for Brotherhood members. And inside this crypt, I mean, it's it's an ossuary. So, of course, all the bones are on display, but they're displayed in, like, artistic form. So they're on the walls and, like, you know, so skull and then two bones are crossed and different art forms and chandeliers. Yeah. And it's dark, it's spooky, it's scary, but it's also like so fascinating that that this was like their ritual and this is how they did their burials. Going on, the crypt last, it was used about till 1836, I believe. Um, but it was constantly damaged by, of course, floods. Um, and then also the Pope outlawed these type of burials around that same time, around 1836, because it was a cholera outbreak in the region. Hmm. Not the fault of the ossuaries, by the way. Uh, <laughs> bad sanitation systems. Anyway, go, yeah, yeah. The horrible sanitation everywhere. Um, but So they did resume for a little while, but around 1871, that's when the Kingdom of Italy came in, and they outlawed these types of cemeteries completely. So all kind of ossuaries, um, hospital cemeteries as well. Everybody had to be buried in a state-sanctioned cemetery. I didn't realize that those ever got outlawed. I sort of thought they just like fell out of practice. I think a lot of it had to do with disease and plague and things of that nature and just feeling that putting the body underground was a safe way to like 
stop any type of spread of virus or infections around. If anyone is interested in starting a modern ossuary movement, like I'm fully down, I'm I'm up for it. I do feel like it's probably hard with burial laws in the U.S. Also, but you know, I'm just saying, like maybe we should explore this as a thing. We uh, maybe we should you know bring bring back ossuaries. You know, I feel as though, and this is just me personally. Like when we go to the cemetery, we see the headstone, and that's kind of what we remember is the headstone. When they visit the ossuary, they would actually see a physical representation of of their loved one. Seeing someone's skull. I mean, it's and then you can touch your head and feel your own skull, and you're like, that's interesting. <laughs> it's almost a recognition that death is real, and this is what death is, and and it's an acceptance of it. Yeah. So, Michelle, uh, maybe you could tell us about what you've got in the Halloween category. I'd like to go to England for a minute okay. and talk about the Woodchester Mansion. This is a. Uh, an old Victorian mansion, which is sort of old hat for for us at Atlas Obscura. You know, we have a lot of them in sort of various states of repair or disrepair. The inside is missing a lot of floors. There are rooms that just sort of don't exist. Um, but this one's a little interesting. It's a little different than some of the others because it's those rooms did not exist and then fall apart. Uh, they were never finished. The Winchester Mansion was abandoned in the middle of construction um, when the owner sort of died unexpectedly, and it has stayed in the same state since the 1870s. But what is really interesting about this place, in addition to being like a spooky, abandoned, incomplete manor, is that it's also home to a large colony of bats. Ah, well, that really fits. I mean, <laughs> you can't have a spooky, half-finished, abandoned Victorian mansion without a large colony of bats to, to populate it. Of course. It's like they knew they were needed. Um, so there are uh, two types of horseshoe bats that live in the northwest attics of this mansion. And they sort of set up camp there. And they have become the subjects of one of the longest continuous studies of a mammal in the world. Um, there's a, a guy, Dr. Roger Ransome, who's been studying these bats since 1959. Um, and like most of what we know about them is because of this study in this sort of spooky old mansion. Um, <laughs> and they have a little observatory set up so you can watch the bats. The bats are only there from April to sort of late summer. Um, and if you come on summer evenings as the sun sets, you can sort of see them fly out to go forage in the surrounding valley. By the way, like this kind of thing is my favorite Atlas Obscura type of place where it's like the way it has to turn in it where you're like, Part one, crazy abandoned Victorian mansion that's been like sitting there, like rotting away since 1870. Part two, also one of the longest running bat studies. That is really cool. Well, those were great, great Halloween places. Uh, I really want to check out that ossuary. I'm fascinated by this mansion with the bat study going on. And always an absolute joy to talk to the both of you about all of this stuff. So thank you for bringing such good places. I cannot wait till the next time. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I'll see you next time. Witness Docs from Stitcher.
If you're looking for a trip full of the extraordinary and unexpected, then you need to get off the beaten path and head to Missouri. The City Museum in St. Louis has got to be one of the coolest places that I have ever been. But it's just one of many wonders found in Missouri. You can play a chess game at the World Chess Hall of Fame, also home to the world's largest chess piece. You can tour a reimagined ghost town brought back to life as outdoor art at Red Oak 2 in Carthage. Or go on a crazy underwater adventure at Bonterre Mine, one of the world's largest man-made caverns and freshwater scuba diving resorts. Or throw back craft beers 50 feet underground at O'Malley's Pub in Weston. Missouri is a place full of surprise and delight. Don't miss out on Missouri, because whether it is weird, wondrous, or the world's largest, there is an M.O. for every traveler in Missouri. Find yours at visitmo.com.